it is Friday, and here at Crepuscular Academy, the work of the week is done. The classrooms are dark and empty and mostly silent. The more dangerous textbooks have been locked away, so why don't you join us in my study as we delve once more into Dr. Longshadow's miscellany of the uncanny. Good evening. My name is Dr. James Archipelago Longshadow, and as ever, it is my immense pleasure to welcome you as you join us here at Crepuscular Academy, where my students join me in my study to enjoy a mug of hot chocolate, a biscuit or two, and a tale from what has become known as Dr. Longshadow's Miscellany of the Uncanny. As they must, the seasons have rode by, and so we are sat in the study with the fire lit, the lanterns aglow in an effort to hold back the ever earlier onset of night's darkness that even now presses itself against the windows of the academy. It doesn't seem but days ago that we were enjoying summer's boon. How many times have we enjoyed a sunlit and grass-scented day and wished that we could slow time down and make the moment last forever? This very consideration of the swiftness of time's arrow put me in mind of a situation that we at the Academy encountered some years ago. Allow me to elucidate. Such is the nature of our studies and research here at Crepuscular Academy, but now and again we are called upon to assist certain organizations of a governmental nature when they are faced with things which are somewhat outside their normal areas of expertise. One such occasion occurred in 2016, when I received a request for help from one of the MIs. I can't quite remember which one, MI5, MI6, it, it may even have been MI13, but I have a question for you. Do you recall the 28th of June, 2016? No? Well, I'm not surprised. In the end, they did quite a thorough job of helping everyone to forget. They swept up the reports. They scrubbed the internet. They altered history. Not for the first time, and I fear not for the last. As always, they were able to distract the populace and divert its attention with shiny things, silly things, worrying things. Still, there are those of us who are immune to their powers of persuasion. A few strong-minded individuals perhaps cursed with being not so easily distracted by tinsel and so-called reality. We remember the 28th of June, 2016, very clearly. It was mentioned in headlines across Europe for a time, before things were changed. Many different countries had different names for the day, but I think the Spanish press said it best. They called it El Dia de los Milagros, the Day of Miracles. Indeed, it seemed as if an unusual number of truly miraculous events had occurred on that one day. There were hundreds of stories of death-defying escapes, last-minute reprieves, and incredible strokes of luck, all of them apparently inexplicable. And then there were the thousands of stories that didn't make it to the media, small marvels and little wonders. 
Perhaps the most miraculous thing of all is that every single event from that day happened at the same time, at the exact same moment. 0847, 25 seconds, Greenwich Mean Time. Here at the Academy, the situation had already been noticed and had raised the eyebrows of several of our faculty members, particularly those of Professor Wells of the Anomalous Chronological Events Department. As such, she seemed the perfect choice to dispatch as an advisor. I, uh, I have the resulting report here. Now, fortunately for us, Professor Wells took a rather, shall we say, narrative approach to report writing. So, allow me to share it with you. She wrote, My dear Longshadow, I managed to arrive at the scene of the incident before the police, as had the chap from the government. He let me in, and to his credit allowed me free reign to investigate. I surveyed the scene, and was able to interview the main witness. I have managed to reconstruct the events as follows. She wrote, It is 8.47 and 26 seconds, Greenwich, meantime. In the kitchen is a woman. She is standing at the sink, washing breakfast dishes. Her children, a boy and a girl, have left the school, and she is enjoying some peace and quiet before she leaves for her job. She washes the last dish and puts it into the drying rack. It is then that she has the sensation she is not alone. She turns to see an elderly woman sitting at the kitchen table. The woman's hair is very long and grey, but tied back neatly. Her clothes are dusty, as if she has travelled a great distance. The old woman smiles, breathes out slowly, leans forward, and rests her head on her arms on the table. She might be sleeping, but she is dead. In her hand is a letter. I managed to take a copy before it was whisked away by some government lackey, and I've attached it here. I think you will find it most interesting, Longshadow. Yours, Professor Harriet Green Wells. Indeed, I did find the letter interesting, as I suspect you will. And and here it is. Dear Mum, I honestly don't know how to begin. How do you begin to explain a mystery? It has been so very long since I've been here. I'd almost forgotten what you looked like. It is good to see you. I'm sorry. I'm truly sorry. I have had time to get used to my situation, but you... I should imagine that you will soon be scared and terribly confused. I hope this letter will bring you some comfort. I'll try to tell you what I can in the time I have left. There is so much to say, to share. Years of... No... No, not years. A lifetime. Yes, a lifetime of experiences. Even after all this time, how it all started is crystal clear when so much else has been made vague by time. I was walking to school, not paying much attention to what was going on around me. As usual, my phone was taking up all of my attention. When I felt something shoved me hard from behind. It, it's difficult to describe the sensation exactly. 
It wasn't as if a single hand had pushed me, more as if my whole body had been nudged or pulled violently forward. I fell to the ground, landing on my knees, and I stood up, ready to take on whoever to push me. I was such an angry girl. It was the silence that I noticed first. All the noise, the traffic, the, the shouts of the other children, the, the birds, the dogs barking in the distance, all of it stopped in an instant. I promise you, you may think you have experienced silence before, perhaps lying awake in the middle of the night or in an empty church, but that is not silence. For most of my life, I have lived with true silence. From that moment on, I lost so many sounds that I took for granted until then. Music, a bird's song, the distant roar of an aircraft, voices. I would like to have heard your voice again. You see, everything had stopped. The world was frozen as if it were playing musical statues. Of all the things I saw in that first moment, one image has stayed with me, as clear as a photograph. John was a little way ahead of me. He'd been running to catch up with his friends. And now, now he was suspended in mid-air, mid-run. His school bag was flying up behind him. I've missed him very much. I stopped by my way here to see him, and he's still there, running to school. He's so young. I may have screamed, I was certainly terrified. I ran home through the streets, the only sounds, my, my footsteps, my heart, my breath. I arrived home and found you just as you were when I walked in and sat down not too long ago to write this letter. You were standing at the sink. The water droplets were hanging like diamonds falling from the plate you were lifting. I think I called your name over and over again, desperately hoping that you would turn and hold me and tell me everything was fine. But you didn't. I stayed in my house for a long time in a state of panic. I was too scared to do anything else. Of course I was in denial. I hoped that things would become normal, would become sane or that I would wake up, but slowly I came to realize that I wasn't living in a nightmare. It was real. Time had stopped. There was no way of telling how much time was passing by. All I knew was that I grew tired and I would sleep and wake and sleep and wake and that this was my only way of marking time. I ate what I could without cooking until eventually all the food was gone. I'm sorry about emptying the cupboards in the fridge, but I hope I've made up for it. It's strange how you become accustomed to the most surreal of situations if it lasts long enough to become normal, and bizarrely I, I settled into my new way of life, although I suspect that I still have believed that it was all a dream. I started to venture out of the house visiting shops for, for food mostly and on each of my trips my my fear would diminish slightly little by little I, I think it was slowly being worn away by the, the wonder of the frozen world 
I began to notice things that I would normally have missed or never been able to see at all. But I always returned home, ready for when the world would right itself and I could tell you all about it. The question of what had happened to time was always with me. How had it become trapped in this moment, in this, in this bubble, and why had I been spared? I'm old enough now to be able to laugh at the vanity and arrogance of my youth. I mean, to think that I actually believed that whatever had happened affected everyone but me, foolish girl. The truth of my situation was revealed to me one day when, without thinking, I went into my bedroom and looked in the mirror. I had noticed before then that I had no reflection, but the implication of the fact hadn't hit home. I had merely seen this as one more weird thing in an already weird situation. But this time I stopped to think, why would I cast no reflection? And then I remembered that the reflections are, are, are just light bouncing off an object and, and, and hitting a mirror. And, and what if light didn't have time to reach the mirror? What if time hadn't stopped? What if it was me? And then I knew in my bones that I was right. It was me who was moving faster than time. I kept a tally chart of my sleeps. I, I had been at home for nearly a hundred of my days when I decided to leave. It hurt too much to be around you. I packed a bag and set out. Well, at first I did all the things that most people in that situation might do. The things I have seen and done. Oh, Mum, if only you could have seen and done them with me. I have stayed in the most luxurious hotels. I have eaten in the best restaurants, albeit other people's meals and always usually breakfast. I kicked a football around Wembley Stadium whilst wearing the Queen's crown. Don't worry, I put it back. I stood on the roof of the highest building in the city and I sang my heart out. I walked through a forest in the middle of a snowstorm and pushed aside the glittering snowflakes that hung in the air. They were like a, a haiku made real. Mum, I stroked a polar bear. I've done all this and so much more. And I wish I had the time to share all my stories with you. Would you be surprised to know that I studied? With, with nothing to distract me, no films, no music, no conversation, I took to reading. Books have been the only thing that have kept pace with me in the frozen world. I have had my whole life to read, and have I read hundreds, thousands of books. Whenever I came to a new town, I would move into a library or a bookshop. I would set up a camp and devour books, volume by volume, shelf by shelf. I would read them out loud as I walked the silent streets, pushing them in a shopping trolley. And the characters in those books, they have been my only friends, and their voices have been the only voices I've heard. I turned to physics, 
in the hope that I would find an answer, some explanation as to what happened to me. So I, I started with basic text, and I slowly worked my way up the theories regarding time. And there were lots of fascinating ideas, but nothing that could help or explain my situation. Although I may not have found a reason for what had happened to me, I did eventually find a purpose. I was walking through a town in Germany, thanks to the Eurotunnel. At this stage, I suppose I must have been about 18, physically at least, as I have never travelled round the sun. I came across a scene of fire engines and a crowd surrounding a burning house. A small face looked out from an upstairs window and I realised that a child was trapped. I made my way through the crowd and stood at the front door. The flames stuck out of the windows like shards of red glass, and slowly I picked my way through the wreck of the house. The stairs had burned away. I, I couldn't get up to the child, so I, I searched the town until I found a ladder belonging to a window cleaner. I borrowed it. Don't worry, he, he wasn't up it at the time. And I returned to the burning house. I was able to reach the girl and carry her gently outside. And carefully, I, I searched the rest of the building and also rescued, uh, yes, a, a hamster and a teddy bear that I think the girl would have wanted to keep. I walked away from that fire and the crowd, knowing what I needed to do. I hope you will be proud of me, Mum. I have spent my life trying to help people. Wherever I went on my travels, I, I, I've tried to fix problems, big and little, I have saved countless people who have stepped in front of cars whilst looking at their phones. I have stopped bullets by picking them out of the air. Once I, I even went through a whole school, answering all the math problems for the children in their books. It took a long time and it was very naughty, but it made me happy. I have tried to do good. There are no years. Not for me. But I am old now. I haven't seen my face in a very long time, but I can feel it and I can look at my hands. I am an old lady now and I am tired. My heart, for so long the only noise in my world is less sure of itself. I have heard it stutter and falter. I think... I am almost done. Something else is happening too. Things are starting to speed up, by which I suppose I mean I am slowing down. A few sleeps ago I, I noticed a, a shaft of sunlight moving through a cloud. It was achingly so, but it was moving more and more quickly towards the ground. And so, I have come home. I love you, Mum. I've missed you so much. Please try not to be too sad. I have lived a life full of wonders. You're Lucy. Oh, um, P.S. I also found quite a lot of money in jewellery that people had lost in the streets. I, I've left it in the living room, 
in a suitcase. Don't be cross. I love you so much. Professor Wells, Julie told the man from the ministry that while she was unsure as to what had caused the incident, she was sure that it was a unique event and was unlikely to happen again. She told me something else entirely. And whilst I am not able to break the confidence between us, I will just say that the next time you hear an approaching thunderstorm, seek shelter as soon as you can. Well, now, talking of time. It has all too quickly come to pass that we must say goodbye. Blow out the candles and bid you good night. But please, feel free to join us again, if you can find the time to share a tale from Dr. Longshadow's miscellany of the uncanny.